Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Father-Son Packers podcast, your source for Packers news, notes, and analysis. My name is Tommy, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my dad, Matt. Dad, how you doing? I'm doing all right. We uh, spent a lot of time having trouble deciding exactly who we wanted to talk about this episode. So who we we're wanted starting to talk a little later about, than we originally planned. What we wanted to talk about. We're starting a little late. We are here, uh, you know, President's Day evening. Happy President's to everyone who celebrates, I suppose. Um, but we are here today. First episode, I'm I'm calling this officially the first episode of the 2024 season as we kind of look forward. Today we are going to be talking a little bit about free agency targets that were, you know. So, so you're saying we are now going forward, not backward. Backwards, Backwards not, not forward. forward. And always and, uh, twirling, always twirling, twirling, twirling towards, towards, freedom. towards freedom. That is a Simpsons quote from a Trails of Horror from like 30 years ago for those of you interested. Oh, but it's such a great one. It's a good Don't one. Don't play me. I, I voted, voted for Kodos. Kodos. Classic. But anyway, we are here today, uh, you know, with the start of the new year, the new season, as we're dubbing it, I guess, uh, since we have officially closed the book in our last two episodes, we broke down both the offense and the defense. Notably, we did not talk about the special teams because <laughs> we say, did not want no, to talk about the no special teams. How, how we cover the special teams. But we are here yep. today to talk a little bit about some free agent targets that we find interesting, that we think would be good moves for the Packers. And then some players that we have found, you know, we've been doing mock draft Mondays over on Twitter at Father Son Packer. Some players that we have found at our first three spots, the Packers are picking at 25, 41, and 57 for now. Um, so those other, the second tour in the second round. Players that we find at those spots that we find particularly interesting and we find ourselves coming back to and gravitating towards as we do all these mock drafts, we end up picking a lot. So we're going to be talking about Two free agent targets each that we think the Packers would be interested in. Obviously, this is before uh, franchise tags happen next week. So some of these players may end up not being available, although we tried to not pick ones that we thought were going to be franchise tagged. And then we're going to talk a little bit about some uh, players that we, like we said, are interested in those spots before the combine in a week. So just to keep that in mind, some scheduling stuff. The combine will be next or sorry, this coming Monday, a week from yesterday, as you hear this. So the 26th of February, uh, the free agency for the NFL will begin on March 11th. And then the draft itself is on April 25th. So put those days in your calendars. We'll be here giving you an episode every single week throughout the whole offseason talking about this. So you'll hear these dates as you go forward. But before we start talking about any of this stuff, just wanted to pitch a couple of things. If you like what you hear today, come give us a follow on Twitter at Father Son Packer. We tweet out, like, like we said, we're doing Mock Draft Mondays every single Monday. We tweet out when we have new episodes out. We tweet out articles we find interesting, stats we find interesting when we're um, creating like these docs and essentially doing all our prep for each of these podcasts. Uh, pieces of Packers news, roster moves, coaching hires, et cetera, et cetera. And then subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. We can pull our episodes out on YouTube as well if you want to check us out there. It would really help us for our numbers. But, Dad, do you want to get into this? Let's get into it. Start uh, thinking about the future. Yeah, but before we do, about the future. we do before have we do again. <laughs> one piece of Packers news ah. for you, and that is that the Packers have officially, I think this is the last gap in their staff they had to fill as they hire Aaron Hill for the new to be the new strength and conditioning coach. Uh, if you remember, they moved on from Gizzy uh, this, after this past year, uh, and then they are hiring Aaron Hill. He spent the last five seasons with the 49ers as an assistant strength and conditioning coach. Um, so, you know, some uh, bit of connection there. More, more connection with San Francisco, you know. 
can't beat them, join them, I suppose. Uh, but anyway, I feel like we've been getting pushed around by the Niners in the playoffs the last few years. Let's and this try is our solution as strong as them. But yeah, no. So I saw a lot of people were writing about, you know, um, they people are essentially con- attributing McCaffrey's newfound health with the 49ers to like, I was like, maybe like that's an indicator of like him being good at this or the ability for Trent Williams to stay on the field with the 49ers. Uh, but at the same time, I think that's just kind of noise at this point. And I, I think, you know, he's we're, I'm going to assume he's a good hire until given reason. Otherwise, I don't think you can really extrapolate like how healthy one team was with like with this guy and then extrapolate out to another guy. But, you know, it seems like they felt like they needed to change. He seems immensely qualified and overqualified, in fact. And I'm excited to, you know, I guess hear from him. We're probably not going to hear from him much because you really don't hear from the strength and conditioning guys very much. But, you know, it seems like a good move from a program that is highly regarded around the league, um, has been there a long time, has like, you know, done his time as an assistant and definitely seems like he was, you know, ready for to take on like a head strength and conditioning spot. Um, any thoughts on that, Dad? I feel like there's nothing really we know about him, but it's nice that the Packers I have now filled out. Whole... Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think there's a whole lot we can say because we don't know that much about him, but uh it seemed like they needed a change, and hopefully this guy's good. Yeah, Aaron Hill, welcome to the Packers, you know. Um, but, Dad, let's start talking about— We hope you about, have great success. We hope we all have great success. Why not? Um, but, Dad, let's start talking about what we were here to talk about, and let's start with some free agent targets for the Packers. So uh, do you want to go first? Who is your first player that you want the Packers to take a look at in free agency? And just to kind of prep our listeners— um, we talked a lot about needs in our breakdowns for offense and defense uh, in the past two episodes. And I think for me, I was definitely looking at the defensive side of the ball more so than the offensive side of the ball for these free agents. I don't know about you, Dad. I didn't even consider looking at the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, it definitely felt like... I mean, like, there, there are a number of reasons as well. It's like, we're not going to sign or really be you know, putting any much into a free agent running back. Correct. Free agent linemen were more likely to be losing than gaining. Linemen are almost never good. Linemen and, are almost never available in free agency, and you don't really need to add anywhere else. And I always feel like no. my thoughts on free agency is sign some guys for need, so that when the draft comes around, you don't feel like you have to take a guy at a certain spot. Um, but Dad, who is? Go yeah, ahead. Sorry. So, th- with that in mind, the pos- it will come as no surprise to most of our listeners that the position I was focused on was safety. Oh, yeah. We the have, I, think, I think we were both focused on was safety. Um, who's on the roster? It's uh, Anthony Johnson Jr. and Benny Sapp. Yeah, I think so. I think that might, that be, might it. be it right now. And so the first guy on my list is uh, Cameron Curl from the Washington Commanders. So he's 25 years old. Um, by CBSSports.com, he's the 25th best free agent, 21st best free agent by PFF. Though he wasn't listed by The Athletic for some reason. 42nd by Fox Sports. I'm um, looking back at his old RAS card. He had 4.6 speed, 6.1 and 3.8 and 206 pounds. His injury history, he's um, he played, he only missed one game last year. And he's missed, but he's missed 10% of the game since being drafted. Played at least 12 games every year. But he, and he did like dislocate his thumb in the 2022 preseason. I'm not sure how many games he missed because of that particular injury. He missed a few. He, the point of the matter is 10% is pretty low. He's been relatively very healthy in terms of like NFL violence and like being able to like withstand yeah. that on your body. Right. So out of that's out of, you know, 
three, four years where you're talking about 60 games. He's missed six out of 60 games, approximately. That's not bad. It's not terrible. Um, so his performance, just looking at starting with his uh, PFF grades, he was – this last year was a bit of a down year compared to the year before. So he was 51st in PFF defense grade, overall defense grade in 2023, after being second overall in 2022 among safeties sorry that's among safeties who've had people who had 20 percent, at least 20 percent of the amount of snaps of the top snap producer <laughs> do you produce snaps take snaps in the safety position um he was 40th in coverage grade but in 2022 he was eighth 80th in passer rating against when targeted though in 2022 even though he was so much better as a coverage grade he was 78th of that and 64th this year in yards per coverage snap. 45th in tackling grade, though um, 2022 is 11th. And his missed tackle rate is 11.2% this past year. And seventh, and in 2022 is even better. He's seventh best in the league, 4.8%. Now compare that to, say, Darnell Savage, Savage, who's always had around like 16 to 18% missed tackle percentage. Almost always the same. It's been pretty much the same range every year. Yeah, and I think and for Curl, was, for Curl, the interesting thing is like, is he the player from 2022 or is he the player from 2023? And I think well, you this know, is the thing. Realistically, I was going to say it might be a little between those because if you remember, Washington traded all of their pass rushers this year, and but in 2022 they had a series of elite pass rushers. So it's like it's a lot, it's harder to play secondary when the guys just patting the ball back there, but at the same time, it's easier to play secondary when you have like three guys who are like borderline Pro Bowl guys. So it's yeah. it's tough. Yeah, and so he was also like 37th in yards after the catch per reception, so kind of middle of the pack, not not bad. but like, So yeah, as you mentioned, was 2023 the real year or was 2022 the real year? 2021 and 2020 were similar to 2023. So 2022, in terms of those four years, is a little bit of an outlier. But you could also say uh, he's been improving a couple of years in the league, he got better, and then all of a sudden the pass rush disappeared. Yeah, I mean, it all depends on what kind of narrative you want to subscribe to because you can make the arguments like, hey, he had one good year. Like, are we? do you want to pay him off of one good year? And then the counter argument is, hey, like when they had a competent defense in his third year, like as he was progressing naturally as you'd expect a player to progress. Like, and you know, he was actually, he was pretty solid as a rookie. He was pretty solid second year, but that third year was definitely his standout year. And so he regressed a little in his fourth year. Maybe you can get that at a discount. Maybe maybe a regression there in that fourth year drives his price down a little bit, and that's a positive for signing him in free agency. You can really spin it any which way you want. I do think, though, watching Curl, I think he's a pretty good player, and I would be excited if the Packers signed him. Yeah, and so his for his career, his snap splits in terms of alignment, been about for every, like, more in the box a little bit less in free safety and a little less in the slot. So for every like four snaps in the box, he had three at free safety and two in the slot. But so we have some positional flexibility to line up mm-hmm. on the field. We figure that the pack's going to have maybe one um, single high and then another safety, um, yeah. perhaps lining and up in multiple I believe positions. it was, so I believe it was just like as other safety. Mm-hmm. I believe it was just as Mosqueda was talking about on uh, Acme Pack and Co., our unpacked pot, I think, on Acme Packing Company was talking about how in the new like system under Halfley with like a lot of single eye safety stuff, it's less important to have safeties that can do both things. 
it, you can have safeties who are more specialized to doing one thing. And so you can maybe find a discount there, but that's just something that I figured I'd throw in there. But yeah, he, he does have experience doing a few different things, but no, I think curl could be a very solid player for the Packers and they definitely need help at safety badly. Anything else you want to add on? Yeah. Him? Well, so for the projected contract cost, um, spot track puts his market value at 14.4 million with comps. So, so you like these comps, Derwin James, make Fitzpatrick, Jesse Bates and Marcus Williams and PFF has his um, projected contract at 12 and a half million, a little bit less, but you know, somewhere, somewhere North of 10 million. Yeah. So a, l- a little bit more than maybe the pack, pack not more than they paid for uh savage last year. It's true. Yeah. The fifth year options are always tough, huh? Especially when the players kind of not having a great year. Um, Although he, I would say for savages, to Savage's benefit, I think this was definitely a bounce back year. He was better than he was the past two years for certain. Do you yes. have anything else? So that also to... like begs the question of, do you want to bring Savage back? That's a whole different can of worms, and we'll <laughs> see about that. Anything else you want to add on Curl, or do you want me to go to mine? I think for the most part, like Curl seems to be a, a solid player um, who is mostly reliable. Maybe he'd be a little bit more like, uh, be a little bit more like Amos. I don't know. Yeah, no, I I mean, I think that's the ideal of if you're going to go outside. Like, I think all we can hope for is Amos. That'd be an amazing... If they could do that signing just back again now, that's a 10 out of 10. You do that 100 times out of 100. For me, the player right. that so I overall, have... I'll just say ahead. overall yep. is like his missed tackling percentage is pretty pretty solid. Um, he doesn't get a lot of interceptions, um, but mostly reliable. It's kind of similar to some of the things that Amos is doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For me, though, I also have a safety as my first player that I wanted to look at. I was also looking at Curl, um, although the player that I wanted to target and wanted to highlight was Xavier McKinney. Uh, he was a safety for the Giants um, for the past four years. He's 25 years old, or will be 25 years old at the start of next season. He's six foot, 200 pounds. In terms of injury history, he has missed 26% of games since being drafted. Um, but that was really only due to two injuries. And this data is from Draft Sharks and Pro Football Reference. He broke his foot in 2020 in his rookie year uh, during training camp. And he was able to come back the same season. And then in 2022, he hurt his hand in an ATV accident. Um, but he was able to come back for the playoffs in that scenario. I think I remember hearing about that one. Yeah. But this past season in 2023, he played every single snap on defense for the Giants. Did not miss a single snap this season. In terms of performance, if you want to look at his numbers from 2023. So the thing with McKinney is he is a guy who his 2023 was by far his best season. Uh, maybe not by far. His first year and his second year were good. They were they were solid. His third year was a little bit down. And then this fourth year in 2023 that I'm about to talk about was very good. And to the point where it's like, ooh, you always get a little scared contract, when the guy... Contract year. You always get a little scared when the guy in the contract year really dials it up a notch. It's like, okay, is that sustainable? But anyway, this past year, he played most of his snaps at free safety with 41% of his snaps there, but he did also play 34% of his snaps in the box and 15% in the slot. So he had, you know, a decent uh, flexibility to his game. Amongst 104 qualifying safeties in 2023, so that was the same cutoffs that you mentioned in terms of players who played at least 20% of the maximum player snaps. He ranked third in missed tackle rate, and that's the good third. So he did not miss many tackles at all. 
He was 39th in stops per snap. Uh, stop is considered by PFF, as, and that's where this data is from, as a tackle that results in a failure for the offense. So upper half of the league in that. He was 19th best in yards per target and 41st best in yards per covered snap. So amongst safeties, he was upper half of the league in pretty much everything and elite at a couple of things. He was 95th in yards after catch per reception, which, you know, small red flag, but I'm not really too worried about that because to me, that's not a metric. That's that's metric has some noise built into it, in my opinion. He was the fourth highest graded safety in the NFL per PFF and had their highest coverage grade of any secondary player, safety or corner in the NFL last year. Um, I think the fit is interesting here because uh, the fact that last two years he played under Wink Martindale, um, who plays a ton of man coverage. According to Sports Illustrated, they played man coverage at the third highest rate. I think that means he could fit really well in a Halfley system where Halfley, you know, he has talked at length about like press man is, in his opinion, the best way to play defense in, you know, the modern fo- in modern football. Um, I think so. I think that is a way that he would fit very well because he's used to a more aggressive style of defense and he's used to being able to like cover for other players being very aggressive on defense. Um, And the fact that he has experience playing both deep and in the box. I know we talked about, you know, you don't necessarily need safeties who can do both. But if you have one who can do both, it kind of opens up your opportunities to adding to that other safety spot where you could take one that does one or the other and then have McKinney do the other. Um, he isn't the fastest player. He only ran a four six forty at the combine, but he's his ability to play both in the NFL kind of you know makes me not worry too much about that. In terms of price, over the cap has him valued at about thirteen and a half million per year. Might end up getting a little more than that, I would imagine. But um, if he did get that thirteen and a half million a year, it would be the ninth highest paid safety in the NFL. Um, for reference, when the Packers signed Adrian Amos in twenty nineteen, they made him the ninth highest paid safety in the NFL. Um, so, and that was per Packers wire. So just keep that in mind. Um, but yeah, so he's someone that I think if the Packers signed him, he could be a bit of a movable guy on defense. He could play a lot of different spots, play down in the box, he play free safety, he could play in the slot, move him around. He tackles well. He seems like to me, like you were saying, a guy like Amos, where he's like a sound tackler can do a lot of different things is versatile. Uh, you know, all the check boxes that you want, that you checked with Amos, you're hoping to check with a guy like McKinney. The reason it might not work out is, you know, like I was saying, his last year was definitely his best. Um, and the Wink Martindale scheme is really unique. No one is really as aggressive as Wink. So would that translate to a scheme that's not as blitz heavy? I guess we will see. But that was the the, the player that I had highlighted. Any thoughts on McKinney, Dad, or anything that you'd be concerned? Are you concerned about a guy balling out in this contract year? It's a little concerning, huh? <laughs> I guess it's a little concerning. He is, in some ways... See the best option, at least the likely option, well, of uh, yeah. available safeties. Yeah, I mean, I, I was looking and I was looking at the you know the ranking of the safeties. I looked at a lot of them. I looked at Winfield. I think he's either going to get franchise tagged or get signed to a big extension in Tampa. Or if he leaves Tampa, we're not going to have the money that he like wants. Twenty million, eighteen, twenty million. Or yeah, we're not going to be able to pay him. Um, McKinney was interesting. Curl was interesting. These players were all kind of in a row here. Jordan Fuller was very interesting. Jordan Fuller was one I just wanted to talk about really quick. He has experience playing with Jeff Halfley at Ohio State. He's a free agent. I think if you ask me which one was most likely to come to the Packers, it would be him. He is a guy who's almost a free safety entirely. This past year, he played like 60 or 70% of his snaps at free safety deep. And having a guy who knows the scheme, knows what Halfley likes is able to play way back and see everything in front of him and has had, has had success in the Rams or with the Rams and has had success in the NFL is definitely enticing. Um, 
he was just a guy. He was like next down on my list in terms of guys I wanted to highlight. Curl was also on that list of guys I looked at. Julian Blackman was someone I looked at, but his injury history kind of scared me off a little bit. But yeah, no, for, for McKinney, I, I, I would be really excited. Uh, he might be out of their price range, though, like just by a little bit. I, I could see a team being willing to give him a good amount of money. Yeah, so with with my next pick, I kind of with that in mind, I went with a player a little bit sort of further down the rankings who isn't expected to command as high a salary, and that's Geno Stone from the Ravens. He's will turn twenty five this April. He was originally a seventh rounder of Baltimore. Currently, I think CBS Sports has him as a twenty seventh best free agent available. This is kind of he's kind of all over the map. They have him twenty seven. PFF has him fifty two. The Athletic has him hundred eighth. Fox Sports has him 44th, so it really depends on, you know, what they're looking for. I mean, he played 1,000 snaps on D last year in terms of his injury history, 82% of the team's snaps after spending, you know, most of his rookie year on the practice squad. He's only missed um, two games in 2021 and none in 2022 or 2023. And this year, he's really had his snap count, I think, jump up, I think, as he's matured as a player and then... He has Marcus Williams, a safety that Baltimore had signed in the previous mm-hmm. offseason, um, was down with some injuries for part of the year, and and Stone kind of took over um, that role or that, that position. In terms of his performance, he was the 26th rated safety by PFF last year out of 104 qualifiers. So here's a here's a guy. He is drink for drink for doing a Collinsworth. Bi- you gotta take you gotta take a drink for doing a Collinsworth there. Does Dico count? I guess. But anyway, sorry, continue. But he was bipolar. So elite in coverage, 85.3 grade by PFF, seventh best in the league. Um, sixth best in pa- in passer rating against the league with only a 51.1, which is even better than McKinney's, who was the highest graded coverage uh, defender. He was 11th in yards per coverage snap and ninth in yards per target. Um, more middle of the pack in, in how much Yaki gave up, 55th, so kind of in the middle. Um, Yak per reception, that is. Yeah, the coverage stuff looks but, great. Now now tell the people what the problem he, is. Well, can I, can I, can I, I'll, I'll okay, stick with some good got, stuff, though. He led all okay. safeties with seven interceptions mm-hmm. this year. So he was, he's got so, some ball skills and something that we've been kind of wanting are players who will take the ball away. We have been kind of low on uh, forcing turnovers the last couple of years or at least especially this last one. However, it was terrible against the run and below average in tackling. I think below um, average his... is complimentary <laughs> to his tackling. Okay. He was a yes. really bad tackler. He was 90 out of those 104 players. He was 96th. How are you going to say below average in tackling? He was <laughs> What's terrible that, was I wrong? in tackling. Was, it, was, that, was that, I wrong in below I average? I suppose not. I suppose not. He was not number one in tackling. He was not first in tackling, <laughs> for sure. He was 21. His missed tackle rate was 21%. Uh, his previous years were 15 and 17%, so not quite as bad. For comparison, Savage's career worst is 18.8% in 2022. For people who yeah, thought and, that Savage was a bad tackler. And, ta- and, and he's not. So for those of you who thought Savage is not a good tackler, you are correct. Stone had a worse missed tackle rate this year, which is it's not yeah. great. And is So one thing is you, that you see is... So, we're looking at a guy who's like not necessarily going to be commanding like the elite money. That's true. But yeah. Who could possibly have a role. Um, the second half of last year was not as good as the first half. Um, his better games were kind of in the first, what, six or seven 
or eight, I guess eight, eight or nine weeks. But then the second half, his defensive grades started to um, go down. I don't, yeah. and, and the, I don't know the, why. The worry part out is like, he was playing more than, than he ever had before. Could he not yeah. handle that much of a workload? Were opponents getting more tape on him and found something that he wasn't particularly good at? That's another possibility. It's also and scary. Maybe, that the, maybe the Packers would be able to see that as well. It's like, oh, this is something that we can or cannot fix. Yeah, I don't know. And then that's the thing with free agents. You can poke holes in all these players. Like, oh, is this player just good in a contract year? Were they trying harder than before? Oh, is this this player was good in the first half of the year, but bad in the second half of the year? Like, did they fall off because of their body can't take it? Or were they not good at something? Like, you can always find, like, a reason why a player won't work out. And I think it's important to, like, talk about those reasons. But sometimes, you know, you yeah. can't be too scared to make the move. And And this... And 2023 was, as you mentioned, his best coverage grade, but also his worst run D. He was he was actually a better run defender of the grade. Still not great, but more like closer to average, not near the bottom. Yeah, yeah. Um, anything else you wanted to add on Stone? I think I would. I think it'd be a good signing. You know, they they need safeties. Oh, they need safeties desperately. Yeah. So the other thing I would say is he, in terms of his fit, he primarily played deep. He played 70 percent of his snaps at free safety. Only 16% in the box and 11% in the slot. So, and his career alignments are similar. Um, now, the Ravens were most, did play a lot of two high on first and second downs, reportedly, rather than the single high we'd expect of um, safeties under under Halfley. But he thing- does have the ability to play. But how scared are you to play a last last line of defense who can't tackle? Can't, that would can't, be. Can't tackle. I was going to so say. That's a little bit frightening. Yeah, that's definitely. I mean, it takes some stones. Yeah, Gino stones. <laughs> Gino stones. Um, but anyway, to make that call. No, yeah, I a hundred percent agree. It would definitely be. You know, you see him coming downhill. You're like, please, please make this tackle, please. There's no one else behind you. There's no one else even within twenty yards of you. Please make this tackle. Yep, and so his projected um, salary is somewhere between six and a half and seven and a half million, depending on where you look. So significantly less than mm-hmm. um, you would expect from either McKinney or Curl. Yeah. And the player that I have next, if you have nothing else to add on Stone, is also a player I think would be available to the Packers for you know cheaper. Uh, and that is Aziz Alshair. Uh, he is a linebacker. He last year played for the Tennessee Titans. He's 27 years old, six foot two, 228 pounds. So a little on the lighter side. Uh, in terms of injury history, he has missed out on, on about 15% of his games, uh, but he has played in at least 12 games every year of his career. So, you know, pretty healthy so far. Um, knock on wood. Uh, he did not miss a single game last season. Uh, no real history of major injuries, according to Draft Sharks. Uh, knock on wood again. Uh, in terms of performance, uh, amongst 86 qualifying long linebackers last year, he was 58th in missed tackle rate. So, you know, slightly below average, not great. Uh, but he was 30th in stops per snap. 32nd in yards per target and 12th in yards per coverage snap. So better in coverage than, you know, I thought in terms of when I was initially looking at him uh, and pretty good against the run as well in terms of, you know, making impact plays and getting stops, generating stops. Uh, In terms of fit, this was the real reason I was looking at him. Um, He has a lot of experience with a 4-3 defense playing in San Francisco. This past year he played in Tennessee, but the previous four years he played in San Francisco underneath Robert Sala and D'Amico Ryans. Um, coordinators who uh Halfley has experience with and you know there's some overlap there in terms of Halfley working under Sala previously and some overlap between those schemes and what they like to do I like 
am interested in him because I think having a guy who for, you know, a lower amount of money, um, he signed just a one year, $5 million deal with the Titans last year. I wonder if you could get him something similar, maybe two years, 10. Um, and I'm thinking having like a guy who's, you know, a cheaper option, but who has played in a similar system, has played in a four, three before has had, you know, is a pretty solid linebacker about like a, is an above replacement level linebacker having that there in that linebacker core that is devoid of talent. I mean, right now it's probably just going to be Quay Walker and McDuffie, assuming like most people assume they're going to move on from Campbell. Having a guy there means you don't need to take a linebacker in the draft. It's not a great linebacker class overall. There aren't a lot of great ones. Um, We're going to talk about one of them later. I think you are. I saw in our doc notes, not to spoil it for anyone, but I think just adding a guy like just to summarize who knows the role can play the role like to a good to good to solid level and you know is on the field is reliable i think there's value there and i think having him for you know decent amount of money um nothing too crazy if he's you know if that that number goes up a lot it's like okay maybe not but you know he's a solid player uh, any thoughts on uh, i'll show you well it's interesting that his you know play seemed to be a little bit better with the when he was with the niners than with the titans and maybe this would be a little yeah. bit i don't know how the defensive scheme, what they're doing in Tennessee, but maybe this uh, would be. I'm pretty sure he wants to do is more similar to the Niners than than Tennessee. Than Tennessee, I'm pretty sure Tennessee played a three four this past year. Uh, but the other thing I was going to say is, you know, you could see the Niners' base defense was way worse without Alshair there and with Oren Burks instead. Now, is that saying more about Oren Burks? Possibly, but they were much better with Alshair as their third linebacker. Um, I've talked to a few of my friends who are Niners fans and they were like, yeah, we missed Alshair a lot this year as that third linebacker. He was way more reliable and the defense was a lot stronger with him in there. Um, but yeah, so he's just a guy that I find interesting as like a role player on defense. You know, it's good to not have massive weaknesses on defense that can be exploited. Um, and if you can fill those spots for, you know, not top of the level money, but you can get a guy who is going to turn a weakness into like a, you know, solid player. I think that's a, there's value there. Yeah, I think you want to have um, you don't want to be desperate for players um, when it's time yeah. to draft. A hundred percent. So you want to have some options that and the keep other a part position is, from being a major weakness. Yeah, and the other and, and yeah, and the other part is you know the linebacker free agency market's not great. I don't think you want to throw a lot of money at Devin White. Uh, I don't think he's that good. I think he's been propped up by Levante David. Speaking of Levante David, he's available, but he's also like 34 years old. I don't think you want to throw a lot of money at him. And then you go down the list and it's like, there just aren't that many. I mean, in the league overall, linebacker, there's a dearth of good linebackers. I mean, we saw with Philadelphia Eagles last year, they were practically praying on their knees for someone to come and save their linebacker position. They tried so many different people off the street. And every single one of them, like they tried bringing in Shaq Leonard. They tried bringing in a few different guys. They tried switching around. It just never worked. And there are just are not enough decent linebackers in the NFL right now. And you see in the draft, there aren't that many good linebackers. Like it's hard to find them. And now we're going to be needing to find, we're going to be playing a four, three. We need to find three of them. So it's, it's, it's kind it's of tough. interesting how, you know, this is, you have to go way back, but it used to be different. Like, you know, that middle linebacker was sort of a, a glamour defense position. And well, now no, all the all the elite athletes are looking for it to be like an entrance. Well, rusher. it's not just that. You can't put like a 260-pound guy out there because he can't guard no, anyone. 
Like he's not going to be able to cover anyone in in the passing game. So you need a guy. There, I mean, you essentially need similar sized guys as you had before, but they also need to be crazy fast and able to keep up with running backs and tight ends. Like there just aren't that many people. But I think like guys that. who are like that they play edge. That's fair. Yeah, they bulk up like another twenty pounds and play. Yeah, fair enough. Or they or they play edge at like two forty to two fifty. True. Yeah, that's where that's that's a more valuable position. That's true. But anyway, Dad. Uh, this has been our free agents that we're looking to target, you know, three safeties and a linebacker. I think anyone could have guessed those are probably the positions we were looking at. Um, if they signed any one of these guys, I'd be really excited. I hope they make some moves in free agency, but we know with the Packers, that's never a given. Although I will say, you know, the fact that that 2020 draft was, had quite a few misses in it. The last time they had a draft with quite a few misses in it was when they signed Amos Billy Turner, Zadarius Smith, and Preston Smith all in one offseason. All guys who weren't necessarily top of market guys, but the next tier down. And I would say to, I would say resounding success. I would say that was a very successful like series of uh, signings. Um, so I'm, you know, crossing my fingers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Hoping that we have a similar offseason in terms of, you know, signing some guys to places of need that are, you know, not the top of market guys, but maybe a tier or two below that. So that when you get to the draft, you don't feel like, oh, shoot, we need to trade up for a linebacker here because we got no one playing li- that third linebacker spot. Or we don't have either of our starting safeties. Uh, We're going to need to take a safety with a first round pick when it's not necessarily a premium position. Eh, that's, you know, I, I would be scary. really surprised if Gutekunst goes wants to go to the draft with no starting safeties and no Third and one starting, starting line linebacker. and like really what? one starting linebacker. One like, starting that's linebacker. a lot of faith in McDuffie. I know he played pretty well, but like ideally he's he's your third, not your second. But anyway, Dad, uh, shall we move on to speaking of the draft? Some players that we are targeting when we're doing our mock drafts. Some players that we're high on at those spots. You know, let's get into it. Um, so the Packers, like we said, have the twenty fifth, forty first, and fifty seventh pick. Dad, who is a player that you would like to see the Packers target at that 25th pick or a player that you're targeting on a lot of your mock drafts at 25? Yeah, so so that, that player has changed recently after the Senior Bowl. Um, you know, the player that I really want there is, was Jackson Powers Johnson. Yeah, but the after center, he dominated the Senior of, Bowl. Center out of Oregon, I, for, the, for listeners who might not know, he was really good at the Senior Bowl, like really, really good. He's shooting up boards. So it seems unlikely that he's going to last, you know, until the Packers pick, and maybe depending on the combine. But so the guy I've been picking lately um, is Ennis Rakestraw. Rakestraw? I'm not. Ennis Rakestraw Jr. Ennis Rakestraw Jr. I believe he's a junior. Cornerback from Missouri. He's six foot, 188 pounds. I think he might be 22. Um, He's the um, overall 29th ranked player and six best cornerback by PFF. Um, if you look at ESPN, they're like the four an- analysts that do the rankings. He's in the top five of corners in three out of four for three out of four of them ranked 37th by the draft network and 48th by the athletic. This last year is elite in run defense and also excellent in coverage. So in the, the, the high seventies in um, coverage and the mid eighties in run in run defense. So he's better in zone coverage than, than man. So that's something to maybe have to see what they keep an eye on that. Yep. He only missed three tackles all year. So that's kind of nice. You love to see it. Yeah. And he only gave up uh, 0.7 yards per coverage snap in his last year, Um, which if you compare, I compared him to like the other like top five corners and that was kind of in the middle. He was better than 
then um, I think one or two that were actually ahead of him um, in terms of yards per coverage snap. So looking pretty good. And and if that if you could translate his <laughs> college performance to the pros, that'd be like top ten. Top ten corners are like around point seven y- yards um, per coverage snap or better. So so he's doing pretty well. And his, and he only gave up a completion percentage of sixty four percent. He played almost a quarter of his snaps in the slot this last year. I think more than he had before. So he does seem to show some ability to play some slot, which I think is something the Packers really which could use. Which is the, the bigger need at the corner position for the Packers this year, for sure, is that slot spot. And just watching a little bit of the tape from him, I haven't done too much yet. He's makes plays in the ball, gets his hands on the balls, and he looks like a willing tackler. Like, you know, um, yeah. I've watched running him. up again. I watched him quarterback, too. When, he's, when he's running, he, he looks like he just wants to make a hit. Mm-hmm. So that's also good, and and he doesn't and he doesn't miss tackles when he's doing so. Yeah, and three missed tackles for the way that I didn't I didn't realize the number was quite that low, but the way that he plays aggressively, like coming down to the line of scrimmage with, I would say reckless abandon. There's shades of like early career Jair when he used to just just full speed throw those, his body at the wide receiver screens. Those, Adam those uh, play. completions out to the flat, and then uh, you run up and tackle him for a loss. Yeah, I, I'd like the, there's shades of that with Rakestraw's game for sure. Anything else you wanted to add on him? Because I, I would definitely be excited if they added him there. I think having a guy who can be that aggressive guy in the slot, who they don't really have right now, I, that'd be a big add. Yeah, I think he's just uh, a good possibility there and may be able to give some positional versatility if that slot coverage he was showing in college could translate to the pros. Mm-hmm. 100%. Because I think that's something they would really be looking to upgrade this year and is the uh, yeah they, the, they the quality really, of slot coverage you're getting. They really have not treated that slot coverage spot. I, I can't remember who was writing about this, but like they've not really treated it with the importance that it has. I mean, you watch that Super Bowl, and Trent McDuffie is like one of the most important players on the field, and he almost exclusively plays in the slot for Kansas City. So it's a premium position now. Nickel is almost always played. Like The nickel guy is on the field like 70% or 80% of snaps. So yeah, that 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 nickel corner is on there a lot more than your whatever third um, yeah, defensive third tackle. Line. Yeah, and like you look at like the investment the Packers have made at that slot corner spot. I mean, it's been Keyshawn Nixon, who is like a journeyman like special teamer. It's been Shannon Sullivan, it, who was like a vet min guy. It's been and like you go back, I can't even remember like an investment at that spot in the last like five to ten years. Um, but anyway, uh, anything else you want to add there? Or should we go to mine? Why don't we move on to yours? Yeah. So at 25, uh, player that I would be interested in the Packers adding or the player that I find myself mocking to the Packers a lot. And I would be excited to have is Troy Fountainew, uh, left tackle out of Washington. He is 23 years old. Uh, Washington has, Washington has him listed at six foot four, 317 pounds. I will say he looks a little smaller than that. So I'm curious to see what he weighs in at, at the combine. Um, some scouts think he will kick inside to guard as he may lack the arm length to play tackle. Again, we will see at the combine next week. Um, he but, was, uh, you know, getting getting a guy who can play guard is it's not, not the exactly worst thing. not the worst thing for the Packers right now. Yeah, not the worst thing for sure. And he has experience playing some guard uh, in college as well, besides left tackle. This past year, he played almost exclusively left, left tackle, but previous years, he played a little left guard as well. And, you know, could maybe always try and switch him to right guard. We'll see. He was third-team AP All-American this past year and first-team All-Pac-12, and he won the Morris Trophy for the best offensive lineman in the Pac-12. Interestingly enough, that is voted on by your opponent. 
So people playing against him thought he was kicking their ass essentially. And that's in a conference that has some really good offensive linemen. Um, that has that's an, a conference that has Jackson Powers Johnson. It's in a conference that has Morgan out of Arizona, two guys who are projected to go in the first round. His opponents thought that he was the best offensive lineman in the conference. Um, while he did allow 23 pressures per PFF and a pressure rate of 3.7%, uh, which ranked him uh, 229th amongst 343 qualifying tackles last year in the FBS. So not great uh, in terms of pressure rate allowed. Um, PFF did still have him as their fifth highest graded pass blocking tackle last year, which I was a little surprised to see with that pressure rate. But people watching, I guess that tape would say that a lot of those pressures were more about Penix holding the ball. Um, he has a crazy amount of athleticism in his first step. I mean, in terms of a guy moving at that size, that fast is really special. And the ability for him to get out in space, he wasn't the highest graded run blocker per PFF. He was pretty average. I would say, um, he gets out in space and gets downhill. Like he's outpacing running backs out there. Like he's running past wide receivers. It's pretty special to watch. I'm a fan of his because of those movement skills, like I mentioned. And I just think having some more power along the offensive line and having some guys, because like we've been able to find some more finesse guys who are like really good pass blockers or very solid pass blockers in the later rounds. It's been hard for us to find guys who are both positives in the pass blocking game and positives run blocking. And I think having a guy there like Fountainu who would really lock down that left tackle spot, I would feel a lot better with Rashid Walker as our swing tackle there. Um, and the ability for him to be a plus pass blocker and a plus run blocker, whereas I think Walker's more of just a pass blocker and kind of a mediocre to below average run blocker. I think adding something there would be a really great like piece for this offense to take that next step because I think you saw in that San Francisco game, when Zach Tom went out and they lost the ability to run the ball, everything got so much harder. And I think being able to consistently run the ball in the NFL is what all the best offenses can really do. Um, so that's why I like Fountainu. Dad, any thoughts on him? Uh, have you watched much of him? I have not watched much much of Fountainu uh, yet. He's somebody that I haven't had on my radar, though I, I like the sound of him. The, the movement skills are something that Packers always look for, we'll see what his shuttle looks like. I'm a little um, worried he might detonate the combine and just like be picked at and then 14. move up to like like, his, top, like yeah, ten exactly. Yeah, it sounds like the athleticism will be something the Packers will be looking at. Be very interested in. Um, would like to have somebody with some ability to push the pile, get some uh, movement at the uh, point of attack for the offense. Yeah, a hundred percent. But yeah, so that was my guy that I wanted us to target at twenty-five. Dad, moving on to our next pick, forty-one. Who are you looking at here for the Packers? So I'm still going, still going defense, and another. So maybe say I'm drafting for need, but I, I did, I got uh, two safeties in our free agency, so I wasn't feeling so that was as urgent anymore. So going for Edron Cooper, linebacker at Texas A&M, who they met at, with actually, just they, wanted to know they, they right, did actually already, already have a meeting with. Yeah, so they've already shown some interest. He's listed at six three and two hundred thirty. Pounds. He's only 22.2 years old. Um, he's ranked the number one linebacker by all four of the ESPN analysts and 45th overall. Ranked number two linebacker by PFF and 51st overall. And 46th overall by the Draft Network and 42nd overall by the Athletic. And I think maybe the first or second linebacker in both of those as well. Lines up primarily in the box, although he does show some pass rush ability um, as well. He off the is edge. fast. He is really fast. Yeah, he, he attacks um, quickly and with violence. He has elite PFF grades in pass rush, run defense, and coverage this year. 
all of them in the in the eighties. According to the Athletic, he led Texas A&M in tackles, tackles for a loss, sacks, and forced fumbles um, for what I may have been a top, may have seen as a top ten defense. That I'd, I'd have to double check on that one. Um, he had nineteen coverage stops with two forced in, incompletions and thirty seven run stops. To his coverage, he allowed no touchdowns. Had two forced, he had the two forced incompletions, but he did give up a pretty high completion rate, um, fourteen out of sixteen. So that was uh, one one blemish there. And this last year, his junior year in 2023, was dramatic improvement over his first two years. Um, he looks to have long arms in going for the tackles. He's, described he's by built. The, uh, just, just, go ahead. Described sorry. by the athletic blurb as elite arm length. But, you know, we'll see what the tape says. He's built like Quay Walker out there. Like He's built like a pterodactyl. And we know that's the Packers type at linebacker. You see Campbell. You see Walker. Cooper next, maybe. Yeah, he looks looks fast on tape with good closing speed, both for the sack and on tackles. He does. I, I would say what he really um, stands out on tape is his ability to to fill the hole or shoot the gap in the backfield for tackles for a loss, in the, in, often in the run game where he's sometimes going for a scrambling quarterback or running back in the run play right after the handoff. Um, and he also looks like he likes to hit. Sometimes I've seen one where they like just like threw a shoulder in somebody to try to plow him without wrapping up, but a lot, but still a lot of times he's bringing guys down, um, wrapping them up and bringing them to the ground. Yeah. Cooper's a guy that I think, I mean, having a lot of athleticism at that second level is super enticing. Like having his speed matched with Quay Walker speed at that second level would definitely be something that I would find very interesting. And then you throw in just no, well, uh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, that's and that's what those the defenses that really seem to excel do when they have two athletic linebackers, linebackers that out can there. Can go sideline to sideline. You look at San Francisco with uh, Fred Warner and Greenlaw. You look at the Ravens Tampa with Tampa Bay a couple years ago. Tampa Bay. You look at the yeah. Ravens you look at all these teams. Raquan Smith and uh, Patrick Queen. It's funny because linebacker is really not a premium position, but all the best defenses have like. But two the best really defenses good have two good ones, right? Yeah. That's the so, thing. And, I don't and, really know and what and to the make of it. Is, the, the, that's what I was commenting on earlier. It's this funny thing that the really good defenses defenses have really good linebackers, but there just aren't enough of them because not enough players want to play it. Yeah, because you don't get paid if you're a linebacker. So it's like, it's a weird cycle. I wonder if we'll circle back to linebackers getting more money, but it yeah, should be that they, you would think that supply and demand would be, I can demand more money. I think it's because you can have like, a good defense with not great linebacker play. It's hard to have a great defense without good linebacker play. Maybe, maybe that's it. I'm just I think people here. just go for the good enough philosophy. Yeah, I mean, we've been doing that. Actually, you know, we've invested <laughs> in linebacker, so I can't say that we now, have but recently. For but a before, long time, we did not. For a long time, we just ignored it. Yeah, which I think was the kind of the meta in the league. Uh, so I can't really yeah. blame the Packers for doing it too. Uh, at forty-one. Anything else you wanted to add on Cooper? I would be excited, like, very excited with that. I think after the combine, he might shoot up to being a guy you might need to think about taking at 25. Take at 25, possibly. Yeah, because I think he's going to test out of his mind. He's super fast. His wingspan is going to be crazy. The weight is a question mark. I think he might be a little light. He looks light yeah, out that's, there. He that's looks the thing. He's, he's not really big. I don't think he's He's not as big as, uh, um, as Quay. Quay Walker. Yeah, as Quay coming out especially too. For me, though, at 41, the player that I'm looking at is Javon Bullard, uh, safety out of Georgia. He's only 21 years old, 
Um, he's a little small. Georgia has him listed at 5'11", 195. So that's a bit of a concern there in terms of size. But he was 2023 AP second team, all SEC. Uh, in 2022, he played mo- uh, most of his snaps, almost all of his snaps, actually, in the slot. But in 2023, he played almost all of them as a deep safety. So, you know, there's some versatility there. Um, amongst 492 qualifying safeties in the FBS last year, so a lot of them, almost 500, he ranked 61st in yards per coverage snap, 43rd in yards per target, 15th in passer rating when targeted, and 104th in missed tackle rate. Uh, now, considering the fact that none of these numbers, grades, etc., are controlled at all for level of competition, the fact that he was able to be, you know, top 20th percent in all of these metrics and top 10 to top 5% in all these metrics, even higher than that, in the SEC playing against top level competition at Georgia is very impressive in my opinion. PFF had him as their 19th best graded safety and seventh best in coverage. Um, and he's a guy that I think really has a nose for the ball when I watch him. I think he's really... Like, I think he shows really good speed on tape. It'll be interesting to see how he tests because I guess people are down on his long speed, but I feel like he looks really fast out there. I saw him catch multiple players from behind where he should not have had an angle on the play. Um, very bursty, has a really quick trigger downhill. Uh, and so the quick trigger downhill is something that I'm always a big fan of uh, in terms of safety. Now, you got to be careful. It's not just, you know, a guy biting on something every single time, but he seems to have a really good nose for the ball, like I said, uh, sees the field well has versatility in terms of where he's played as a safety. He's just someone that I'm interested in. I thought he had a pretty good senior bowl week from the clips that I was able to watch uh, of the wide receiver corner one-on-ones. Um, so decent, you know, at least decent man coverage reps. Those drills are never, ever, ever fun to play in if you're a DB <laughs> because you're just, it's like, okay, it's like, I just got to guard this guy for 10 seconds. Cool. Awesome. Sick. Um, but no, with, so, with no pass rush, yeah, know, no right? pass rush, no, no safe, no help over the no top. No help. Just, just you and that other guy and you don't know where they're going. You just got to react. And I thought he held up pretty well in that for a safety, especially. Um, but yeah, so Bullard was the guy that I'm looking at there. They, they, they need safeties. They need safeties badly. They are probably going to need two or three more new safeties than they already have. So um, he's the one I'm looking at there. Yeah, and I pick him sometimes when I when I'm looking for a safety. I haven't gotten one yet. Some, I'm often trying to get him later, but maybe that won't work. Um, one thing about his speed. So there's a little bit of data from the Senior Bowl where he's was the fifth fastest on field amongst all defensive backs with the second best maximum acceleration. Okay. Amongst all, all right. Backs That's the zebra tech, role. right? That they, yeah. that they have in their shoulder pads. That's awesome. Hey, so yeah. So I, he's showing some speed on the field. Yeah. Which you love to he see. He got because, over, he got over 20 miles per hour. Um, 20.7. Nice. Um, which is great because I think the Packers just need more speed on defense. Like they need more speed everywhere. Speed kills. Speed's the game of the game in the NFL right now. Yeah. Anyway, moving on to Packers next pick 57. Dad, who do you, who are you looking at here? So here I am going kind of a little bit taking a flyer. So uh, offensive tackle for Yale, Kieran Amageji. I believe that's right. Um, it's, it's, yeah, I saw a pronunciation for it in, in one of the articles. So he's listed at 6'5", 326. Now, one thing that's going to be critical are the medicals on him because he had a torn quad in the fall um, playing for Yale. And also, he played four games. So we'll have to pay attention to how the, those those come up. But from Jim Jim Nagy in September, what he said about him is that left tackle Kieran Amageji, 6'5", 321, 36 and three-quarter inch arms. 
is the highest greatest small school prospect. Few offensive tackles in 2024 class stack up when it comes to measurables or upside. Doesn't take expert evaluator to see how athletic he is. So he's currently ranked 58th um, by the athletic, 62nd by PFF, 11th offensive tackle, and 100th by ESPN as a 13th offensive tackle. So he's really an athletic tackle who's reportedly already an elite mover. Um, he has improved dramatically while he's in college at Yale. So there's a very interesting article actually at The Athletic by, by Dane Brugler about him and his journey about you know, he's kind of late to football um, and how he worked to improve during the first COVID year when Yale didn't play any games at all um, and that how he was better when he came back. His last two years were at left tackle. Though his first year in 2021, he was at left guard. Um, though I don't, he's not exactly your typical tackle to guard um, prospect to move with 36 inch arms. Mm -hmm. um, he gave up no sacks and only one hit over the last two years, and he's already got you know an elite graded run blocker according to PFF. So it'll be really interesting to see how he tests and, and yeah. Uh, and what he's he looks like he could be one of these small school flyers that maybe takes a little while to develop, but could be really good in the future. I was going to say, and for him, you know, it's hard because usually with these small school prospects, you have these all star games, you have the Shrine game, you have the Senior Bowl, and you get to see them play against competition that's like at that higher level and see what they do. Now with him having that quad injury, you don't get to see that, so you're going in even more blind than you would normally with a smaller school prospect. So that's why I think that's like very risky. Now the tools are undeniable like that that arm length for those of you who don't know is just crazy like that's that's absurd arm like 36 and three quarter you said i mean that's what uh um, nagy had yeah had, jim uh, nagy who tweeted. is um the director of the senior bowl for those of you who don't know who aren't entrenched in draft stuff all 24 7 and following everyone on twitter um but yeah definitely something interesting i do think they need you know tackle isn't their biggest need but if they could solidify left tackle even more i think that's interesting uh, for me, I though, think if nothing else, they should be looking for a swing tackle. Yeah, and I think ideally, Rashid Walker is that swing tackle, and then you know they get at the very a guy. Yeah, that's the thing at the very least. Yeah, so either me, either find a swing tackle or move somebody down to swing tackle. Exactly, I do think that he is someone that I would be a little nervous about, just with injury and small school and new to football. And using a top like a top hundred, top sixty pick on a guy who probably won't play for like a year or two is that's scary to me. That's very scary to me. I I'm I don't know if I can this, get on that one. This is a this is a very this is a high risk move. Yeah, high risk. Um, but it is you know it's it's pick fifty seven, so it's not nothing is promised for me at fifty seven though. The player that I would be interested in the Packers drafting and the player that I've been targeting in drafts is Tavondre Sweat, uh, defensive tackle out of Texas. He's 23 years old, and he is huge. He is listed at 6'4", 362 pounds. I'm telling you, that might be underselling it. This man might be four bills. He might be 380 pounds. He, he's, he did not weigh in at the senior bowl. He declined to weigh in. And I wonder how heavy he would have been if he did. And so we're going to see at the combine how just how heavy he is. Um, it might be a little concerning how heavy he is. And I think that's why he's down in draft boards. He's actually fallen down in the last month in PFFs like ADP and um, they're projected like where they're projecting him to go. Um, but at the senior bowl, I mean, no one could block him. 
No one could block him at all. He was too much man for all of these guys trying to block him. Guards, tackles, guys were projected to go early. I mean, he just walked every single person they put against him back into the pocket. In 2023, amongst 528 qualifying interior D linemen per uh, per PFF, he was 48th in pressure rate. He was 47th in stops per snap. And he was ranked number one in PFF grade, number one in PFF run grade, and number nine in PFF pass rush grade. He has a ridiculous... So not only is he huge, he has a ridiculously quick first step for how huge he is. This is a massive man. Um, And there are questions on if he can handle a full... There are questions about his weight. There are questions about motor a little bit with that weight. There are questions on if he can handle a full workload. You need a really powerful motor to move that much weight. I know, right? There's questions if he can handle a full workload in the NFL with his size. Like, can he be a three-down player? But, I mean, he played more snaps per game than his teammate Byron Murphy, who, you know, isn't as big as him, but he played more than he did. And there are no questions about Byron Murphy's motor or questions about whether Byron Murphy can stay on the field. So to me, like, I'm just like, okay, he, he was able to do it at Texas. Like, so are we, why is it that concerning? Like, why are we that concerned that you wouldn't use a late second round pick on a guy who was borderline unblockable in the big 12. And then the other thing is like, yeah, he played next to Byron Murphy. So is that making his job easier as Murphy's projected to go in the first round? Maybe. But at the same time, why not just argue it the other way around? I mean, you could argue, you could argue it both ways, couldn't you? But I do think it's a little surprising to see Sweat this far down. And the fact that he's just been falling since a dominant senior bowl, I, I'm i a little confused by it. But if the Packers were able to take him at 57, I mean, I'd be stoked. I'd be stoked. I know they don't necessarily need interior D lineman help, but it couldn't hurt to have another big guy. And I don't know how you would really fit him in a 4-3, but... Yeah, yeah that, that's the thing is um, how many defensive tackles... Do you need? How many snaps are there to go around One there? more. One more is the answer. One more. <laughs> yeah, it would be nice to have somebody who was an elite run stuffer. Yeah, and I think he's more than that, to be fair to him. I don't think he's yeah. just a guy who is out there just to stop the run. I think he's got more juice than that, and I think he showed that at Texas. He's just huge. And I'm, I'm almost like, you know, can we find our Vita Vea? I don't think he's, he's not that good. But, like, could you? If you could, that would be... Very exciting. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see him line up there in the middle um, and and just, you know, be an immovable object. Yeah. And, to, you know, and, take at on the very extra least. guys. Exactly. And make life easier for the linebackers behind him. But anyway, this has been the Father Son Packers podcast. I think it's a good place as any to end at. You know, we've looked through uh, two free agents each. We've looked through three draft prospects each that we're all high on at different spots in the draft. And uh, yeah, you know, we'll be here doing this, talking about the draft, talking about free agency for the rest of the offseason. And then until training camp and minicamp, we'll be doing an episode a week through the whole offseason until the season starts again in the fall. And we'll be doing two then. But come give us a follow on Twitter at Father Son Packer if you like what you heard. We'll be tweeting out whenever we have new episodes out, articles you find interesting, et cetera, et cetera. We did this whole spiel at the front, so you know what we tweet out. Um, we also have all our stuff on every podcast platform you can find, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. So come subscribe to us at all of those. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we've been loving breaking this down. We'll be talking about the combine next week, I guess, Dad, since it's starting next Monday. So keep your eyes peeled for that and keep your eyes on Twitter for that. But until next time, go Petco. Go Petco.